The following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. of the best sports talk in Middle Tennessee, featuring Tennessee Radio Hall of Famer George Plaster, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame coach Watson Brown, and Young Guns, Billy Derrick and Michael Sendrick. And now, here's your host, George Plaster. Hello again, everybody. Welcome in on a beautiful Monday in Nashville, Tennessee. Boy, the weather has been incredible. We do need some rain, but man, it has been nice over the last few weeks, so enjoy it while you can. Let's call roll. Let's head up to the plateau and say hello to Coach Watson Brown. Watson, how are you? George, I'm doing great. How about them Braves, man? How about them Braves? How about the? I mean, that's a big feat now. Woo. You 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 whip those three pitchers and and sweep those guys with it that critical, and all they needed really to do is win one. That's all they needed, and they and they leave still in the lead in essence, and they couldn't pull it off. It's fantastic. I mean, that is, I wouldn't have bet anything that they'd have won all three games. No, I didn't think they'd win all three. Uh, really proud of what they've gotten done. That is one great clubhouse that they have amassed. I don't know where it's going. The Dodgers are really good. I want to see the Mets advance past their wild card because I think they are the one team other than the Braves that can go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers as far as starting pitching. I want the Mets around to do the dirty work for us. Yeah, and I'm not sure they can because that that's hard on them. They 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 left town with the, with their tails kicked, man. And that's not this time of year. That's not a good thing. No, Buck Walter's got to do some really good psychological work over the next week or so because you're right. Uh, their playoff, it would appear, starts on Friday. And between last night and Friday, the Mets have got to get their mojo back. Whew. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's. I think it's going to be hard on them. Yeah. And yet, I think this could this could bump the Braves where they're back, kind of where they were last year in a mindset again. That was that's a big deal. What happened this weekend? Now bigger oh, yeah. than a lot of people are giving it credit for, in my opinion. Billy, what's going on? George, I'm great. I agree with Watson. It's a mindset. I told you, I think it was earlier today before the show, it just feels like the Braves have that mental edge, uh, at least right now on the Mets in terms of that you know, championship DNA. And Buster only talked about it. You just kind of feel it right, right now with that franchise. And maybe the Mets aren't there yet. Maybe they get there in the playoffs. But right now, the, the Braves, 
the Braves control that that division and they control the Mets. Let me tell you what, the Mets are pretty darn good. Let's not count them out. Watson's right. They got to get their mojo back between now and Friday. But look out. You you start throwing Scherzer and DeGrom and Carlos Carrasco, you know, they, they could cause a lot of trouble. Yeah. That, but it was so big. I mean, that's the biggest series win of the year for the Braves because you might have just won the division right there. You might have just gave, given yourself the edge in the playoffs. So, yeah. And how about Dansby? I mean, Ooh. you could argue he won it for him with three home runs. Three home runs in three days. Yeah. Man. Let's check in with Terry McCormick. His Yankees will be in the playoffs as well. They'll go up against the cheatingest team known to man at some point, the Astros. You ready for that? I am, although it's possible that the Rays or the Jays or somebody could uh, take care of the Astros beforehand. I'd be okay with that. Terry, how did the uh, – obviously, Terry, we, we do this every day at the beginning during football season, Terry's daily Titans update. Let's start with the injury situation. How did they come out of this? Well, not great. Um Traylon Burks, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, has a turf toe injury. He left the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, the Titans locker room there, in a walking boot on his left foot and on crutches. So uh, not a good look there. He's probably going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, Bud Dupree re-injured his hip. No update yet on him. There may be a little bit of good news, though. Uh, Monty Rice could be activated soon from the physically unable to perform list into his 21 day evaluation window where they can look at him and get him back into practice and see exactly where he is and how close he is to returning. Uh, he's been running on the side the last uh, several days. So it looks like he's trending in the right direction. Uh, a couple other guys who are on IR, but are eligible to come off injured reserve and probably not ready yet. That's wide receiver. Racy McMath, whom they need if Burks is going to be out for a while, and cornerback Elijah Molden, who is their nickelback. Molden is the guy that uh, they desperately need to kind of tighten up that secondary a little bit because they've been playing a lot of bodies there, guys they've picked up off the street, and guys who are clearly not ready to play a big, big role on this defense yet. Let me bring Watson back into this. Watson, what is the normal length of time on turf toe it's longer than you think that's a, that's a pretty good injury depends on how the extent of it uh if it's a if it's a high grade turf toe it's four weeks or so uh if it's just a slight sprain or something i'd say maybe two two weeks i'm going to say two to four but i have seen those things go all the way to six when they try to come back too quick, I remember having one. He tried to come back too quick, and it added two more weeks to it. So they better be careful with it. Terry, uh, what all did Vrabel say about his injury? Not much. He's not very forthcoming, as you know, George, when it comes to injuries. He just said that they would continue to evaluate him, but it did sound like he was going to miss some time. Now, it may not be to where he needs to go on IR. The good news there, too, is they're coming up on the bye week, uh, not this coming week because they're playing the Washington Commanders, but uh, the week after that, they would get a full week off to heal and recuperate with the bye. And, you know, you think that that bye is early, but with the injuries they've had, probably comes at a decent time. Yeah. 
uh, th- this commander thing is a great opportunity to get over 500. Uh, this is a game they've got to win. No doubt. I mean, you know, they've had a history of, you know, coming up short in games against teams that they should win. I think, you know, most people would point to the Giants game in the season opener. You go back to last year, there were losses to the Texans and the Jets. So that's a habit that they've got to get past. They cannot be uh, losing games to non-contending teams and, you know, putting themselves behind the eight ball. You know, they seem to bounce back nicely from it most of the time. Last year, you know, there, there were a couple of big wins that they were able to get after they performed poorly against non-contending teams. But uh, they need to take care of business, especially going into the bye. Terry, the trend continued. Really pretty good first half. Not much shaking in the second half. I know Vrabel is sick of talking about it, but what did he say? Not a whole lot. You know, he just said that there were opportunities there and they didn't take advantage of it for one reason or the other. You know, it's like, well, duh. But uh, I think, you know, and I'll have to give credit here to Steve Lehman over at Channel 5. He brought this up yesterday in the press box. And it's a good theory. And I think it's one that I agree with. He said that the Titans are very good at, executing what they do to start the game because they've scored a touchdown on the opening drive, I believe in all four games this year. And they're good at doing what they do, running the football, mixing in the play action and all. But then when the other team goes to halftime, they make the adjustment to try and stop what the Titans are doing. They lack the firepower to be able to provide a counterpunch. Uh, You know, they've been used to in the past having A.J. Brown who could take the top off a defense or could, you know, catch a slant and go the distance with it. They don't really have that guy this year. And when's the last time you saw him chuck a ball 35 or 40 yards down the field? Hasn't happened very much. So when you're going with this conservative kind of pop gun approach to it, uh, you know, the the Titans are kind of – have their backs against the wall a little bit behind the eight ball, so to speak, because they are, they don't have the necessary firepower to be able to counteract when people try adjust and take away some of their bread and butter. Terry appreciate it as always good report. We'll look forward to uh, the rest of the week uh, as we get ready for the uh, dreaded commanders. Thank you. Well, look forward to talking about the commanders this week. Yes, they certainly are. Talk to you. They're hideous. Oh, man. That's uh, going to be a fun matchup, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, isn't it, though? Okay, you have update material. Yes, what I do. What do we got? Well, first, George, that Titans update was brought to you by the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. They are proven to be trusted with your most personal asset. Call them at 615-906-8458. Also, Sumner Funeral and Cremation. They are sharing their family with yours in your time of need. Now with two convenient locations in Gallatin and Hendersonville and online at SumnerFuneral.com. Sumner Funeral and Cremation, traditional, affordable, and dignified. Today, George, we start in the NFL. Miami Dolphins have said that quarterback Tua Tungavailoa has been ruled out for the Week 5 game against the New York Jets. There is no definitive timeline for his return and Teddy Bridgewater will continue to play. Watson, based on the things that went on this weekend, it sure seems to me like the NFL Players Association, even though they don't want to admit this, is calling Tua a liar that that whole back injury BS against Buffalo, that's not what happened at all. 
No, well, I'm not sure that that's what they're doing, but I say, duh, that uh, is out this week. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. You think they just fired the doctor that let him play. You think the next guy's going to put him back out there right away? I mean, duh. I think that what the players, what I'm hearing is the association is saying, we cannot let these players make the decision. There needs to be protocol and the right people make it and the player shouldn't be the one making these decisions because they're all competitive and they want to play. Sure. That's what I think they're getting at. That may not be coming across that way, but I think that's the bottom line with the Players Association. Okay, let me ask you this. I'm putting you on the spot. Do you believe Tua's story in the Buffalo game that that was a back injury that he stumbled around like he'd had a few? No, I, I think he wanted to play. Yeah. I, I remember when I first hurt my knee in my sophomore going in my junior year early in the season, and I faked that it was better and so I could get out there, and I lasted two plays, and it popped out again. And oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I George, this sure. left arm that I've got, I, I had a doctor have to – I had to sign a waiver to play, try to play my senior year because the doctor wouldn't let me. Players do crazy things to try to play, and they've got to take the player out of it. And I think Tua just flat said, it's not my head, and it was, and he thought he was okay. And as soon as his head hit any any anything again, boom, and he could have paralyzed himself with that one. And and uh, But that's – I agree 100% the player should have no, no standing in this whatsoever. They shouldn't even ask him how he feels. <laughs> Because they're going, they're all going to say, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fine." Yeah, it's a back injury. Back. Yeah. Next piece, uh, we go to college. Awful, awful start to that LSU Auburn game. Seven Banks uh, is yeah. going to be out five to six weeks uh, after sustaining a spinal cord bruise uh, in the win against Auburn. Lucky, it's only six, five to six weeks. I mean, I thought that might be a little bit worse, but. Uh, so he is doing okay, but it's going to be about half the season for him. Thank God that this is the way it turned out. Watson, that looked awful. Yeah, it did. And and um, I'm not sure he'll play again this year. That's just – I don't want to be the negative dude here, but a bruised spinal cord is just – Serious. I, I just don't know that mom and dad will let him back out there. Uh, they're saying five to six weeks, but – I think I'd take the year in red shirt and and then make sure I'd have 8,000 tests done on me before I come back in that. Billy? Next piece, George. Nick Saban has said that Alabama star quarterback Bryce Young is day-to-day with a shoulder injury. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they if they stroll him out there on Saturday night against Texas A&M. And uh, so, so that's kind of the update there. He sprained AC joint uh, on Saturday after the win over Arkansas, didn't play in the second half. Watson. Still still got the win. Would you play him Saturday? If he's well, but he won't be. He's got a grade one, probably sprained AC joint. It's going to be sore through the weekend. He will be back for Tennessee. I'll bet you they dress him. Uh, This is his second time to hurt this shoulder, which, again, I've had shoulder stuff. And when you hurt it the second time, it doesn't swell the same way. It gets well quicker. I think he'll be back for Tennessee. I think he'll dress for Alabama. And if they had to throw him out there, I wouldn't doubt him showing up. 
Uh, from what I'm seeing out of AM, I don't think it's going to matter. Final story. Final story. We've got uh, game times announced next Saturday, October the 15th. Vanderbilt and Georgia at 2.30 on uh, the SEC Network. And then Alabama and Tennessee, 2.30 on CBS in Knoxville. I predict the uh, second game gets a bigger audience. <laughs> Shocker. Really gone out on a limb there, haven't I? Well, you went out on a limb on that one, boy. Yeah. Off the deep end there, George. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> After the break, we'll get into Watson's Tennessee Titans analysis following the win in Indy. This is Main Street Media Television. Hey, Billy. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East. And for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Berner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. 
People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. It is time now for Watson Brown's Tennessee Titans analysis brought to you by the folks at Pennington Distilling Company. So, Watson, I kind of walk out of the telecast yesterday asking myself, okay, should I be fired up, big road win against a division rival, or should I be more shocked at how bad Indy is? Well, being a Titans fan, we should be excited about the win, and it, it was a win. And and um, we we did some good things, mostly in the first half, and we're going to get into some of that, George. But uh, Indy helped us a bunch. I mean, that, that this win was so similar to the last one. I mean, we have to stop a two-point play to keep it from going to overtime to win last week and didn't play well in the second half. And yesterday, we have they fumble on third and a half a yard for a first down. If they don't make it, they're going to go for it on fourth. Then they're they're on about our 15, 20-yard line, and they're going in to tie the game in that game late in the game. So we, we won two. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how. But the one thing that we did this week is we didn't make the mistakes. I thought we had one major mistake in the game. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Indy made the mistakes, and we didn't. We had a few penalties that were that hurt us, mostly in the secondary, a few, few holes. But uh, Indy made all the mistakes in the game and then had three turnovers on top of that. And a missed field goal, a big missed field goal. Huge missed field goal. Let's go to item number two, which is pass defense – and throwing the football. The Titans have got some issues. George, that's still the two question marks that I don't see answers to. We are just poor in pass defense. We're just poor. And we we really struggle to defend the pass. When we defend the pass, it's a pass rush that creates the defense. If the quarterback has time to throw, we struggle. And I don't know how we keep winning unless that gets better. Getting some people healthy is about the only thing I see that could help it. We have to play so much zone coverage. Uh, it, it gets There's a lot of openings in our zones. Uh, Cole, the linebacker that took Cunningham's place, is very good against the run. He is not a pass defender. He's in those zones. They're throwing balls in behind him, everywhere behind him. They took him out and put another guy in late in the game to help with that. Uh, So, And then our pass offense, we just cannot throw very well when it's time to throw. 
if we know we got to throw, they know we got to throw, and we got to drop back and throw at George, our pass protection is a little better than it was last year. I think that. But we just do not. We're not coordinated. I don't think it's Ryan's bag. We don't have that guy to throw it to. Um, we have really struggled through four games in just pure drop back passing. I thought you saw it in the two minute in the game when it was right before the half and it's two minute time. We were very conservative till we crossed midfield. We didn't throw a drop back pass. We handed it to Derek. We threw a screen, very conservative instead of going after it. And uh, I just think somehow, some way that's going to have to get better for us to go very far, get in the playoffs and go very far. Compare watching us throw it, George, when we got to throw it to those two teams last night. I mean. Oh, my God. It's not even. It, it is it, night and day. And it's NFL, and it's two different NFL teams. They can do it. We, we've got a long way to go. Now, we're very good at play-action passes and running the ball and all of that, but – Man, when it comes time just to throw the ball, we're 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 just not very good. Ryan looks jumpy to me when he's so smooth when he's running those play action passes, and he's so jumpy in the drop back game. And there's bodies around him all the time. I I can understand him being jumpy. They're just four man rushes yesterday, and there were bodies around him everywhere. So. Let me be ugly here. At 33, 34 years old. If he hasn't gotten to that level by now, it's not going to happen. I, 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 we were decent at it when we had Brown. We were decent. He could, he could just say, "I'm going to him with the ball." We don't have that guy, and now he's having to do all the high lows and spread the field and look one side to the other, and he just struggles at that, George. And I don't know if he can get a lot better at that. Uh, it's just one of the things he struggles at. Tom Brady is fantastic at it. Ryan's got much better feet than Tom Brady, makes so many plays with his feet. Uh, there's things Ryan Tannehill does better than Tom Brady, but that's not one of them. And, and uh, Mahomes has kind of got all of it. He's got the feet. He can, hit the, he can throw on time. He can throw any ball anywhere. I mean, some of those throws he threw on the goal line last night. I mean, Did my you see gracious. That spin move and then, oh and then like, he's, what was that? I don't, I would venture to say from watching him that he may be the best at everything of any guy that's played, the, of everything scrambling, mm -hmm. throwing sidearm underneath somebody, jumping up and flipping a ball to somebody, all just dropping back and throwing a bullet. Laying balls over your shoulder on, on beautiful throws. Uh, he throws the ball to his tight end nine times last night on 11 targets. And there was not a ball that wasn't on target. Right. There was one ball a little no, low on the kneecaps, and it was a nice catch. But it's still where he had to throw it to get it away from the linebacker. He had one play last night. I don't mean to get off on him, but one play last night where he's late and he loses his uh, thought process, Lynn throws an interception when the game's over. Other than that, my gracious, Ryan gives us everything he's got. And I'm telling you, George, he is tougher nails. Oh, now. he's absolutely <laughs> tough. There's a lot of things this guy does for our team 
The one thing he doesn't bring to the table is the drop back passing game in a consistent way. He'll make some plays here and there, but in a consistent way, man, that's why we cannot get very far behind. Okay. You mentioned a minute ago the offensive line. Let's talk about where you feel the improvement came from. Running the ball. We got back to running the ball yesterday and and got movement at the line of scrimmage, and that's the first time I've seen Derrick Henry look like his old self with some quickness and a burst. So that question mark is gone to me. We're capable of now running the ball and throwing those play-action passes. And uh, the reason we were really good in the first half, George, was for some reason the Colts came in and played us in zone coverage. They started out not crowding the box, and when they did, both of their alignments were in zone coverage, and we were just flipping balls in those zones in behind them and going up and down the field. The second half, they started mixing a lot of man coverage, and we weren't as good at it, and the defensive front finally got a little motivated and came after us a little more. But the offensive line has improved. I'm not so sure, and I don't mean this negative toward Taylor Lewan at all. I'm not so sure we're not better that now that it's that it, it's he's out for the year, or and it's not that in and out all the time. And he practices some, he don't. Then all of a sudden, the guy's got to come in the game for him who hadn't practiced with the starters as much. I think that now they've got their five guys. They've stayed healthy two weeks in a row. And I think they got better in the game two together over the first game they played together without Taylor Lewan. Don't take that as Taylor Lewan's not a good player. I'm just saying the inconsistency and the instability of Taylor in and out and in and out I'm not sure didn't hurt us more than help us, George. Watson, the uh, excuse me, I'm about to lose it here. Get you a drink. I'll, I'll take this one. Number four, the second half meltdowns, Watson. I know you you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I touched why, why on it already. That, I, why is that keep I, I think I think what's happening is for there's it's two pieces to me, and I'm not sure I'm right about either, but it's observations. I don't have any insight. For some reason, we don't come out motivated the same way in the second half. The look in the Colts players' eyes in the first half and airs, man, we were ready to play. I mean, Derrick Henry looked like a man possessed. The look in his eyes, give me the ball. And for some reason, we come out in the second half and we're kind of look like the Colts did in the first half, and they came out aggressive. That I don't understand. Derrick Henry says after the game, this has got to stop. I don't know that Coach Vrabel does that in public. I promise you he's addressing it behind the scenes. But Derrick Henry said this has got to stop. He finally addressed it and went after it. And the second thing is we seem to do really well on script. When we know what we've practiced, we're going to run this, first play this in the top 10 where all these plays we scripted out and usually it takes about a quarter and a half to get through your scripts when you're scripting for a ball game and then when you got to come out and the adjustments have been made by the other side it looks like we're not doing anything with the adjustments I don't know if that's true because I don't have the tape to watch it but that's what it looks like to me George and Mike's going to have to address that because we've struggled on both sides of the ball 
in the second halves of games. Okay, let, let me ask when when you say script, yeah, what happens to the script when there is uh, an abrupt turnover kind of deal? How does a script account for that? You you you've got maybe twenty plays, twenty five plays on a script. You pick by the down and distance of where it is off of that script what you practice. You don't go down it. Okay, play one, play two, play three, play four, and you mark them off as you run them. That's the way you do a script. So you've got a script for, let's say, in a 25-play script, you may have two third and shorts. You run the first one, and then you run the second one. And that's about what you practice in, in, in practice that week. You can't work on adjustments because you don't know what the adjustments are going to be. Right. So the adjustments can't come off of a script. They've got to come off of what plays you've got to attack what they're doing to you, George. I always wanted to practice adjustments against everything in the offseason. If somebody was playing me in cover two, two deep safeties, five underneath zone, I would say, okay, these five or six plays we really like in the two deep zone, and we'll pull them out when somebody's playing that against us. That's what I mean by adjustments and I don't know if they don't, if they're not going to the right things. I don't know if the players aren't executing what they're wanting in the adjustments. I can't tell, but I can tell we don't have the same emotions in the second halves of the last two games, and nothing good is happening technically. We, 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 you look at us in the first half, and we look technically the one that was on on par. In the second half, it looks like the defenses or the offenses are on par. What scares me offensively for our defense is in both games we've gotten good leads in the first half, George. They've gone to near all-out pass in the second half and been successful doing it. In the first half, much more conservative, run, pass, run, pass. Both teams, the Raiders and the Colts in the second half, got behind and said, the heck with it, we're throwing the ball and we're successful doing it. That's where it goes back to that pass defense that really scares me couple of things. Number one, if you're playing them and, and you spend as much time in film study as they do, can't you see that they're, they're Swiss cheese right now as far as the secondary? You can throw all over them. Wouldn't you be from, from minute one almost saying, we're going to throw 70% and we're going to run 30 yeah, and our run defense has, has been very good in the last two yeah. weeks. Now, in the first game, the first couple of games, it wasn't, the first game especially. But in the last couple of weeks, what's our strength, our front seven, against the run? And we don't rush the passer near as good against the pass as we did last year. Not near as good. It's still good at times. And the only way we stop the pass, I think you would agree with this, just in a fan's look, is when we rush the passer and we get pressure on him, he's on his back foot and he throws a bad ball. When quarterbacks sitting there let the ball go on time against us and throw it, the percentages are very high. They're completing balls. We've got one corner playing pretty good. The, the, we don't have a second corner. And, and, uh, and the nickelback situation really – 
Fulton has played pretty well. Byard has played well. Other than that, I don't see a secondary guy of our five DBs, sometimes six, that are playing very well at all. And we've got a opposite corner of Fulton issue. Uh, uh, Caleb Farley had trouble with that. They just threw a ball and just let it float up in the air like a punt yesterday, and a guy comes down and catches it. That's when they fumbled. That's when they were going in to score to right. tie the game, and they fumbled on third and short, George. I don't know what the answers are. They've brought in some guys, but those guys are off of practice squads. What does that tell you? They're not great players, or they wouldn't be on this practice squad. Right. So I don't know how they're going to fix this, and last year we fixed it with pass rush. I don't see how we can fix it with pass rush this year. Bud Dupree's been hurt every game. I mean, he's kind of becoming our Julio Jones right now. He's been hurt every game. And Landry's gone for the year. Simmons and Autry are our two pass rushers right now. They're the two guys that are forcing the inside pocket. And that's the only thing we got going right now. Tart. Is not he doesn't rush very well at all. So now he's got to where he just kind of hangs at the line of scrimmage and jumps up for the ball. <laughs> Doing pretty good with it. And he batted one down yesterday and batted a second one down and picked it off. So I mean, uh we we've still got issues and some of it I'm not sure are fixable. Yeah. Uh by the way, as for Julio. He made it through the first half last night of the yeah, Tampa one ball, didn't he? And he was Kansas gone again. Game. I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. To have been a great player and in the, toward the end of his time here, and he just cannot stay on the field whatsoever. We'll go to the break. You'll hear part of Mike Vrabel's press conference from earlier this afternoon. This is Main Street Media Television. For Dustin Timmons and Joey Donnelly, they welcome every opportunity to serve and satisfy their clients. Whether you are looking to build your dream home or renovate your current home, their team will ensure that every client and remodel is unique, luxurious, completed on time, and within budget. Contact them today to set an appointment for a free consultation or to view some of their completed projects by logging on to DonnellyTimmons.com. At 
WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics, we pride ourselves in providing access, innovation, and a patient experience second to none. Access to care and treatment when you need it. Innovation with medical-led cosmetics and various on-site technologies for full-service treatments with a customer experience that is calming, casual, and effective. Independently owned, providing medical, surgical, pediatric, and cosmetic dermatology and more. Visit WellSkinMD.com to schedule your appointment today. WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics. Access to healthier skin. It's your last chance to get a spring tune-up for summer. Complete service heat and air can clean your coils, check out your motor, and make sure you have cold air on that first hot day of summer. Complete service heat and air is located in White Bluff, Tennessee. We do service and repair on heating and air the right way. 24-7 service. Call us at 615-797-3997. That's 615-797-3997. Serving Cheatham, Davidson, Dixon, Hickman, Humphreys, Montgomery, and Williamson. Counties. Have you heard about the high levels of radon in Middle Tennessee? Radon gas is the second leading cause of lung cancer, second only to smoking, and has no color, no taste, and no smell. The only way to know if you have radon is to test for it. Durad Radon Mitigation offers testing for small and large-scale residential and commercial properties plus mitigation services. Visit DuretRadonMitigation.com to request testing or get a free estimate for mitigation. That's DuretRadonMitigation.com. Since 1865, the First Baptist Church of Gallatin on Winchester Street has served its community by catering to the least, the last, and the lost, providing a church of welcome used by God to save the lost, transform the saved, and impact its community. As a proud multi-ethnic congregation, Pastor Derek Jackson personally welcomes you to join them in fellowship Sunday mornings at 8 in person or at 1045 in person or online at firstbaptistgallatin.org. First Baptist Gallatin on Winchester Street, serving with open arms as a true church of welcome. Well, I have thought this for a while, and I believe it now more than ever. The best thing the Titans have going for them is this division. Indy sucks. Houston sucks. Jacksonville, who knows? They're two and two. They're certainly much improved. But yesterday, after getting ahead 14 nothing in Philly, they kind of fell apart in that slop, uh, you know, based on the tropical storm remnants from the hurricane. Anyway. The Titans at this moment are tied for the division lead with their two and two record. And here is Coach Mike Vrabel a day after the win in Indy. Mike, with uh, some of the injuries your t- team's dealing with, how helpful has it been the? Uh, 
the turnovers that your defense has been able to force, particularly particularly yesterday? Well, injuries aside, I mean, we were excited to be able to win a turnover margin, you know, against a team that's historically been able to create them. You know, I thought we were um, good in that regard. And, and obviously, you know, being able to take it away from them. You know, we've talked about tipping passes before. Um, you know, we tipped a couple earlier in the season. The guys were close, but, you know, you just never know which way that ball is going to bounce or, or go. And then yesterday, Tier was able to get it <clears throat> and then be able to get it off the quarterback a couple times. What uh, what you saw from the inside linebacker yesterday? Really, really good against the run. You know, I thought that that group that was in there, uh, David and, and Dylan, and then Joe had a few snaps in there as well. You know, that this is a good running football team. It's very good back and we played, uh, you know, that that was, you know, pretty much the difference in the game, being able to to stop the run the way that we did. Um, guys were playing physical, guys were playing um, instinctive and um, they did a nice job. Do you feel like you guys have had any more emphasis on, on stopping the uh, opponent's top offensive weapons the last two weeks or has it just kind of worked out? that way well I mean we have an idea of what we'd like to do coming into the game and that was certainly a big key um you know I mean it's 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 hard sometimes to to do that um we, we were able to do it uh, this this past week obviously with Jonathan Taylor we find ways to continue to affect the quarterback and you know be a little bit better um you know in coverage whether that's uh, man concepts or zone concepts balancing act too when you can shut down those weapons there might be some other guys like a like a, a cox or someone like that who might have bigger days than, than oh, i mean i think you know i mean you just have to be able to stay tight to a tight end and and, and cover them and and be able to tackle them you know what happened at the end of in the first half with the, with the clock situation doesn't he need to know exactly yeah we'll be better happening. in those situations starting with me obviously making sure that you know we're, we're getting rid of the football and um you know, being able to get points there. So we'll we'll focus on those and, you know, make sure that that's cleaned up moving forward. I think you guys have been as clean and smart as you usually have been between, like, that, you had illegal shit, you had too many men on the field, Burks didn't know what to do when he was hurt. That stuff seems to be kind of adding up. Well, we'll continue to coach it. You know I mean? We have to make sure that, uh, you know, take these things as a case-by-case -case basis that you, that you um, you know, bring up. It's all you know, part of the game and all the operation, you know, changing subs, you know, subs and, you know, having, making sure that we have the, the proper amount of guys on the field, uh, handling the situations when, when a player, uh, you know, is injured and, and can't you know, play the next play, all those things that we talk about and that, that will continue to, to work and practice. Well, I mean, I thought he improved. I thought there was, um, you know, some good snaps and then some, some ones that um, you know we'll continue to work on and improve. And um, but you know, I thought he did a you know, nice job when he was in there. You know, it's a tough position to play. You're 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 under the gun, and you're going to have to you know be willing to to make you know have some balls caught on you, and then you know, being able to come back and and make a play. And so you know he had a he had a pass break up, and then the, you know the next play they they went down the field on him, and you know you just have to be you know ready for the ball every single time. There times that in his coverage that maybe he's needs to be a little tighter and use his frame and length to uh, be closer to the receiver on 
we, we'd like all our DBs to be as close to their receivers as possible. How long you'll be without Traylon, and do you have the bodies on the roster to, to replace him? Uh, we do. You know, I don't know how long um, he'll be out. We'll continue to evaluate him this week and see where he's at. Brian's now 4 0 in Indianapolis. That's a place that this franchise in the past had really struggled to win. Can you just speak to what he has meant to over the last few years and this season? Well, we've taken care of the ball. You know, we were able to 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 win the the rushing battle. You know, we were we are at a better passer rating, and we won the turnover margin. So that's that's the recipe for for winning in this league, especially on the road. And uh, you know, we'll continue to to find and make make opportunities. You know, I think there were some things that we you know, we could have probably gotten. You know, and, and been able to to get the ball there. And we'll we'll talk to Ryan about some of those things. But you know, it was pretty. Kept us out of harm's way, delivered some some really, really good throws, um, you know, was accurate and made made good decisions. We just have to, you know, I think there was a few down the field we probably could have had. Coach, do you feel like this game was a getting back to your identity as far as stopping the run and establishing the run on your own? Well, I think that's just what you have to do, uh, especially against the opponent that we were playing, you know, where we were playing on the road. And, you know, each week is different each week. Um, you know, we'll have to have a game plan, and then we'll see how that <clears throat> game plan's going, and then whether it needs to adjust or not. What are some things you're seeing from Watson? Let's talk about what happened before the end of the first half, where the, it looks like there's going to be a field goal attempt, and the whole thing blows up. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, what, what do you think went on there, George? I thought that was a play that really hurt momentum for the second half. Uh, it didn't look good. We didn't get points right there. It was a nice little drive down the field. What happened is we had no timeouts left because we had to use one because kid didn't get out of bounds on a catch. So we got no timeouts left and, and not what just low double digits on the clock. So therefore you cannot throw the ball in play or run it in, 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 in play. Meaning it's, the clock can't stop. First down in the NFL doesn't stop the clock. Right. So, to me, major philosophical mistake by the coaches are, are Ryan one. I would like to think in the, that headphone thing that they're sitting there telling him, throw it in the end zone or throw it out of bounds. You can't throw it in, in the play. And you cannot run the ball yourself. Because we do not have time to get our players on the field to kick this field goal. And that's exactly what happened. Ryan hesitates a minute and then takes off running, and it's over. There's no way to get them out there and kick that. We had two players fall over each other trying to get there. <laughs> we always practice that every Thursday. We called it red field goal at every school I was ever at. And red field goal meaning red alert. You got those guys right by the coach on the sidelines, and as soon as that ball's down, you you say go, and they're in there, they're, and they get on the ball quick, snap and kick, field go. Kickers used to it, holders used to it, snappers used to it. We did it every week in the offseason, in the season. It was done. That wasn't the problem. The problem was we didn't have enough time to get it done. I put that – that's a that's a poor move on Coach Rabel's part or Ryan Tannehill's part. One of the two, I would bet you it's Ryan Tannehill. What I would have said, ball's in the end zone. We're going to lay one up and try to score. 
we're already in field goal range, George. Sure. And it's not a deep field goal at all. Ball's about the 20, 25-yard line. So we've got the field goal. Throw it in the end zone to try to catch one for a touchdown. You don't get it. You probably got nine seconds left. Kick the field goal. And, uh, but the last thing you can do is keep the ball in play because there's no way you're going to get up, get that ball spotted, and everybody get out there and kick that field goal in that length of time. Watson, would I be right that about 17 seconds is what it takes to get a field goal unit out there, get everybody situated, and boom? Yeah, and that'd be tight. I always just always lean toward conservative with that. It, it just is such a letdown for your players if this happens. And it's happened to me. It's happened to me. I can remember it happening to me in a game. I'm on the four-yard line. And we don't get out of bounds and and um, don't throw it in the end zone. The guy gets to about the half-yard line, but don't get out of bounds. We couldn't do it. And it, yeah. it really hurts. And um, it's got to be practice. You've got to know exactly what you're talking about. It takes longer if the ball's on the far end of the field than if it's more toward the 40. Sure. You don't have far to go. you got to put that in your thought process as you're doing it. That ball was down around the 15-yard line or 20. you got a ways to get them out there. And uh, I just think you have to be very conservative. And my thought process would have been, Ryan, throw it in the end zone or throw it away. If you're going to try to complete it, throw it in the end zone. If you got to throw it away, throw it out of bounds. And let's kick this field goal if it's not there. That's what I would have done. That isn't what they did. They called kind of a high-low pass. He looked. He didn't like it. He scrambles. That's eating up more time. That's why you can't just say 17 seconds, George. If he had uh, uh, just gotten sacked, it would have been better. But he moves around. Then he scrambles. Then he runs a little ways. That's just eating up more time. Yeah. And and I think when the, he sent them out there where there were like six seconds when they left the boundary. They had no chance. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. No chance whatsoever to get it off. And that is a very correctable thing. Mike knows all this. They've practiced this. But that, I bet it won't happen again the rest of the year. They got away with it. But I'm telling you, that hurt momentum going into the half. Now, that puts us up three scores. Sure it does. Sure it that did. puts us up three scores. Instead of two, and we're the one let down because we blew three points. Okay, after the break, we'll have stat of the day, then an hour of college football talk that you're going to want to hear because a lot of stuff has happened over the weekend. Stick around. This is Main Street Media Television. Serving Williamson and surrounding counties, Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee offers comprehensive orthopedic care. With 16 sub-specialized physicians, our practice provides high-tech care with a hometown touch. We offer physician clinics, physical and occupational therapy, advanced imaging, and surgical services, including interventional procedures. Call us at 615-791-2630. We're Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee. High-tech care with a hometown touch. 
This is attorney Bart Durham, and this is me. I'm Aaliyah. Keeping in good physical condition is really important to me. But when I had a wreck with a tractor trailer truck that hurt my legs so bad, I couldn't work for almost a year. I knew I needed a lawyer that understood tractor trailer cases. So I called Bart. Bart gets millions of dollars for his clients every year. At Bart Durham Injury Law, we've handled hundreds of tractor trailer cases. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. The high school football season is here, and nobody handles Friday nights better than Main Street Media. Here's Zach Womble with details. That's the name of the game here at Main Street Media and Main Street Preps. It's, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now, and, and I think you hit on it. We've got an army of reporters across all of Middle Tennessee. I think there's about 130 schools uh, in the Middle Tennessee area, and we cover, we try to cover all of them. We cover about 11, 12 counties at this point, and uh, yeah, those those Friday night shows. It's you know, we're gonna we're gonna show we're gonna show that off. We're gonna showcase the talent that we have on the field with with reporters across several mid-state games on the weekly basis. So, you know, whether you're in Williamson County, whether you're in Giles County or Murray County or Montgomery or Robertson or anywhere in between, we're going to have you covered from 6 to 11. Friday Night Live is presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, where fans don't let fans drive drunk. At Sumner Funeral and Cremation, our mission is to serve families as our own, celebrate the life of their loved one, and help begin the healing process. My whole family, including my wife and my mom and siblings, were very happy with the treatment that we received. I would highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation. We offer funeral, burial, cremations, and pre-planning services. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional, affordable, dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Welcome to the Omni Nashville Hotel. Urban elegance with a vintage touch. Our 800-room hotel opened up in the fall of 2013 with 746 guest rooms and 54 suites. Hey everyone, I'm John English. This is Keith Wallace and we would like to welcome you to John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We specialize in graded and ungraded sports and non-sports cards, vintage wax boxes and unopened cases. We have a large selection of PSA graded cards. We also specialize in old sports collectibles, baseball, football, basketball, golf, and tennis. You can find it all at John English Antique Sports and Cards. We are happy to be associated with Nashville's greatest sports antique, George Plaster.
Welcome back into the George Plaster Show. It is now time for Stat of the Day, powered by John English Vintage Sports and Cards, as well as Eric Berner with Rockcastle Wealth Advisors. You can find John English in Shelbyville, Tennessee. They specialize in antique and historical sports equipment, games, advertising, and other sport-related items. You can visit them, of course, in Shelbyville, open Tuesdays through Fridays from noon to 5 o'clock and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 5. Visit them online at johnenglishgradedcards.com. Also, Eric Berner with Rockcastle Wealth Advisors. You can call him at 615-490-7052 or visit rockcastlewealth.com for more information. And now we go to today's stat of the day. The question is, this past week, which NFL starting quarterback set the record for the lowest passing yards prop in the history of FanDuel Sportsbook? And can you guess how much it was? What, what does that mean? I have no idea what that means. So the, they have prop bets. And basically, you know, you can say like Derrick Henry last week, his prop bet was around for rushing yards was around 70. And then you can bet, does he go over or under? So, so the question is, which NFL starting quarterback set the record for the lowest passing yards prop in the history of FanDuel Sportsbook? <laughs> Watson, I'm going to think on the front end that it's Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, starting quarterback. Uh, yeah, I would I would go there. The, the kid at uh, the Patriots, he didn't last long, but he got hurt. Hoyer? Yeah. He didn't. Hoyer's he, a dud. I don't know what it is that Bill Belichick just seems enamored with Brian Hoyer. Nobody That's, else is. It's a weird obsession. That may be the two that I don't think played very long Saturday. Um, okay, let, let's let's run it up there. I'm going to say 150 yards just for. Wow, George, you know, you're really, really close. It's 148 and it was Justin Fields. Really? Yeah. I don't really understand the question, to be very honest. Well, I wish I could show you, but. Okay, there's, I'll try it. There's an over-under that they will set on how many passing yards a quarterback will have. And, and they do it with each separate quarterback? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm it's, not a better, so I don't know any of this stuff. And it's within games, Watson. So usually, you know, you have the line, the spread, the over-under in a game. But if you click more bets, on that, it'll show you more prop bets within that game. So you know, his was 150? It was 148.5. So George was about right, two away. Right on it. Yeah. In uh, the betting world, that's basically a correct answer. <laughs> wow. So, so so you're telling me somebody made a lot of money on this one? If they, if they uh, It's hard to know because... There were probably a lot of people that said, oh, that's low, and they bet over. I'm trying yeah. to... I, did he go over this? I, I don't really know. They didn't get a lot done no. in a 20 to 12 loss in the Meadowlands. Anyway, we've got a five o'clock hour wall to wall college football. Let's hit it. Yes, George, we are in the five o'clock hour brought to you by Middle Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic. They combine state of the art orthopedic service with a family atmosphere, whether it's a sports injury, a sprained ankle, or a major joint replacement. MTBJ has the staff, training, and equipment needed to take care of any patient in any circumstance. Log on to their website. That's mtbj.net for more information. 
Okay, it was about as improbable as you could find a game to be. Missouri, who most people believe is the worst team in the SEC other than Vandy, takes Georgia to the mat, should have won the game, and we're all sitting there going, are you kidding? Really? But they played their fanny off. And so that results in some changes this week in the top four, or at least Watson Brown's top four. Watson, let's start with number four and see where you take this. You ready? Let's go. Well, I've got got them all. I've got them all together, George. Okay. I thought that might be easier because well, we usually run through this faster than expected. That's fine. Let's uh, let, let's. You've got Clemson for the moment replacing Michigan. Watson, the more I see of Clemson, the more I like it, and the more I like the fact they don't play anybody. Oh, I put it here because Michigan's got to play Ohio State at Ohio State. Clemson's got nobody left on the schedule they shouldn't beat. That was the toughest game they had left, and it was a home game. The ACC, George, might be as weak as I've seen it in – what, 10 years? I mean, seriously, think about it. Name me a team other than Clemson that has just really impressed you this year. Pittsburgh hasn't. NC State hadn't me. Yeah. I, I just their, – their offense is just not that good. Um, Miami's been awful. Just, I mean, lost to Middle Tennessee, who we saw can play – is not a good defensive team at all. And yet they lose to Middle Tennessee. Um, I just think they've got a cakewalk where Michigan's got to go to. Oh yeah, they got to go to Columbus. So I just I put Clemson in front of them only for that reason alone. If those two played each other, I'm not sure Michigan wouldn't win the game. But they don't, and it's going to be four at the end of the year. And I think Clemson's going to be one of the four at the end of the year, and they may be higher than that because they're going to win out the rest of the way. So a committee might have a decision to make of would a one-loss Michigan in a tight game in Columbus be better suited than an undefeated Clemson that's gone through, you know, a, a mediocre schedule at best? Yeah, and Clemson will have an extra game on them, so I don't think it would because Clemson will be in the – in the championship game and Michigan would not if they lose in Columbus. So I still think Clemson would be over them because of the extra game they get to play against somebody on the other side. That's not going to be a real strong team. How close do you believe Ohio state is to number one? I near put them there. I just didn't think they just dominated Rutgers the way I thought they should. They ended up beating them 49-7, but that game kind of hung around a little bit and yeah. stayed 21-7 and, you know, and Rutgers has not got any offense at all. That's the only reason I didn't. And Alabama scored quite a few points when the game got tight without Bryce Young. Yeah. And they kept scoring points on Arkansas. So that's why I moved Alabama to one – and I moved Georgia down, not over just the Missouri game. The last two, Kent State played them a real good game, George. So they've had two weeks in a row. That's yeah. too much of a red flag for me. I had to move them to three. 
Do you think there's a problem or is this just a boredom lull they're going through? I think it's a, I don't think this team is close to last year's. That's the way I'll say it. Their defense is not near what it was a year ago. They're, the ball is starting to get moved on on defense. Last year, you couldn't move it a lick. And I don't think their offense is like Alabama's when Bryce Young is there. They're not going to score a ton of points in their style. So I think it's their defenses where they're not as good as they were a year ago. They're also really banged up at receiver right now. I think they've got two of their receivers out, so they're banged up too. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. They, they are not nearly as good offensively. Just, just don't see – offense maybe get some of those back. Defense, I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think they're as good. I don't see the front seven that dominated people last year the same way. Missouri ran the ball well on them during that ball game. Yeah. Ran their, well. Their D-line stood up. Stood up to that Georgia line as well, at least for yes, most of that game. They sure did. I mean, a Missouri team that we don't have much respect for. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one more play somewhere and they win that game. Just one more play and they win that football game. Wow. And, uh, so that, that it's, it's a little bit like what I said about Arkansas. I wanted to pick them over Alabama and I said, when you can't beat an FCS – any, you couldn't put an FCS away like Missouri State, who, by the way, has lost two straight games since then. Uh, you're not that good, and it showed in the Alabama game. I'm worried about Georgia when you can't put Missouri away. You just you if, just couldn't physically do it. If Georgia had lost to Missouri, what would be their path to get to a playoff if they had gone down in Columbia? Beat Tennessee and beat Florida. If Georgia had lost the game to Missouri, they got to beat Tennessee and beat Florida, and they're still in the championship game, then they'd have to beat Alabama. They got to win the East first, George, and you lose to Missouri, man. <laughs> that's not that's not good, but they got to get through Tennessee, Kentucky, and and uh, who did I just say? Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida. And then, yeah, Florida. And they've got I, – I, I'm this opens the East up. If I'm Kentucky, if I'm Tennessee, that's the two. Florida's already lost two. If I'm Kentucky and Tennessee, and especially Tennessee, who hadn't lost one yet, man, this opens the door uh, for some possibilities. Okay, let's get to a segment that I love because I get to do it. Studs and duds of week five. And I am going to, even though there will be four studs and four duds, I'm going to add one to each that is not up there. I've made an so executive. So we got, we got five each. Yeah, I, I'm making an executive decision. Big so weekend. we're going studs first. We are going studs first. Kansas is 5-0. and oh. They have sold out two games in a row. The last time they sold out a game. Let me think here. Uh, Mangino. Uh, Willard or yeah. whatever, whatever the hell his name was, Fillmore. He's trying to come president. up with a one-liner here. Bill. I am. What, what was the president? Is it Millard Fillmore? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> old Millard, that's the last time Kansas had two sellouts. <laughs> so, okay. So, George, they got game day this week. Okay, but Kansas has got game day this week. You're going to have their third sellout in a row. You took a little rip at me and said he's trying to come up with something funny. And like that, 
What I had was pretty damn good. Yeah, you did good. You did good. I'll give Old you credit. Millard, Millard Fillmore. Wasn't just he a get, weather guy? the and name right there, historian. Time. Don't ask me. Okay. So Kansas has got to be one of your studs. Here's a second one. Oklahoma State goes to Baylor and gets it done. Man, that is a big win for Mr. Mullet. <laughs> Mullet, man. man. Can move the ball, man. They're moving the ball on everybody. Love it. Who, who right now are the top two offenses in the country? Tennessee and Oklahoma State, I think. I would put They're Wake playing. Forest up there too. Yeah. The they've been playing hard not to, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard Which, not to put them up there with it. Um, Which then leads us to stud number three, Wake Forest. God bless them. They went down to Tallahassee and rammed one down Florida State's throat. That's not really where I was thinking they rammed it, but <laughs> they, <laughs> they really had total control of that game. That game, that, that game wasn't as close as a score. No. I mean, Florida State could not slow them down. And, and I'm telling you that Sam Hartman is unbelievable. He's a real stud. He he's he's Mahomes on, on the college level. I mean, yeah. this kid dodges under one, ducks one, dodges another guy, lays it right in. I mean, right over the shoulder of a guy. He's making plays everywhere since he came back. I mean, he's he's unbelievable. I I wouldn't want to play those guys. Now you're going to score a lot of points, but buddy, and I remember Max game last year with him. It was one of them. 50 to 50s, one of those kind of games. I probably will be again when those two play each other later in the year. The over-under for the football game, Wake Forest, North Carolina, will be higher than the over-under for the hoops game. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> now, let's that's get a, a good fourth, point. Let's get a fourth stud. Hey, that's Where two good ones. Where the hell did this come from? Two good ones today. Where Where did this come from? What do you think Jeff Collins, who got fired a week ago at Georgia Tech, is thinking when his squad goes to pit and wins? Where'd that know. come from? I don't know. I didn't get to see any of the game. The games I've been watching Georgia Tech, good Lord. Awful. They were awful. Yeah. I mean, everything, offense, defense, it. They looked awful, and then they go to Pitt and beat Pitt, and we've seen Pitt because of Tennessee and watching the game. I mean, Pitt's not what they were last year, but they're still a solid yeah. team. That They should, basically. I don't know. I have no clue. I quit betting. I never have bet. Thank God I'm not a better because I'd be <laughs> losing money right and left right now. The fifth stud? I, I don't have that. Oh, it doesn't matter. What's the fifth stud here? <laughs> You're defending world champions. Oh, yeah, baby. I thought this was for college Well, football. you know what? I changed it <laughs> for about 30 seconds, so deal with it. Knew this was coming. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the duds. First. Let's start. Nice defense, Oklahoma. Did you Come watch on, any Venable. of that? What in the world? Did you watch any of that, George? Yeah. They never came they, close to stop. They would, the quarterback would fake a ball and run around the corner, and there's nothing there for 80 no. yards. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, he just takes off running down the field. Finally, an Oklahoma guy shows up about the 10-yard line. I mean, they throw a ball out there to somebody, and nobody there. He just 
runs 50 yards. I don't know. And then the offense didn't look very good. The quarterback was overthrowing everybody till he got hit in the head and knocked out. And uh, gosh, I've been in that town when you lose a game. Ooh. I can promise you Brett Venables is wishing he was the defensive coordinator at Clemson right now. <laughs> he was still there, baby. Because he's getting, I would not want. He's getting barbecued. Oh, good Lord. That state loves their football, George. And But when they lose one, they don't think they should. <laughs> Ain't fun. The only people that enjoyed that in the state, Oklahoma State. Oh, they're, yeah. they're patting they, their chest right now. Yeah. Okay. Second dud is Wisconsin. And it got Paul Christ fired in a move I never saw coming. Mm-mm. Wisconsin is way worse than even I thought. Illinois trounced them. And it was Brett Bielema, the yes. old the old coach. He out Wisconsin them. Who Paul Chris worked for. Yeah. He was an assistant on that staff at some point. I don't know. Go figure. That doesn't look and good. Wisconsin beat Illinois the year before at Illinois. And Wisconsin, when you watch them, the defense is kind of okay. The offense is awful. Dull. Dull, and they're going to have to change their ways in the next setting. Whatever, whoever they bring in, George, you too many schools in the Big Ten now are opening it up and scoring points. Yeah, you can't win that way anymore in the Big Ten. You're going to have to score points, and and I'm not sure that's not why they fired him. Is not his one loss record or anything. I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, but I think it's just we've got to have a total philosophical change here. Okay, dud number three. Fresno. Good Lord. You can't beat UConn. Woo. That's, that's bad. That's tough. Watson, that's when you know it's bad. I still say Southern Cal ain't near as good as their record. I don't know if there's going to be anybody good enough to beat them, uh, but I still say Southern Cal, that's one of the teams they beat was Fresno. Yeah, I don't think they've really played anybody just yet. You go to Oregon State and and should have got should have got beat, but Fresno's bad. I, they looked real bad against Southern Cal, and I thought, well, maybe Southern Cal's just that good. No, Fresno's bad. The final dud that's in a graphic. It's been a common dud. It, it's it's Louisville, and Watson. If this continues, yeah, there will be next. a coaching change at Louisville. Yeah, he's next. He's next, George. He can't keep doing this. Louisville is a proud program now, football and basketball, and they're not going to put up with it. And he's been on that edge for, what, two or three years now. Yeah, he just seems to kind of hang on, hang on. Uh, that This one might get him. One more added to this one, he's next, in my opinion. He'll be next. And the last dud that's not up there is Pittsburgh. I should have put them in there. If you can't beat Georgia Tech in your home stadium this year, whoo. Is Slovis playing again, George? I don't know. I you know, I, I didn't either. get to see I didn't get to see the stats from that game. I didn't but, even uh, see any of the game, so I don't know, yeah. but I wonder if he's not back because there's a big difference in that backup and 
Slovis had passed for 200 yards in the first half against Tennessee. He's a good player. And I'll just bet you he's not back yet. After the break, we're going to get into more coaching openings at the start of October than I can ever remember. We added two this weekend, one you knew that was coming and one I never saw coming. And we got a lot more. We'll talk about Oklahoma's defense. We'll talk about Tennessee. They're a four-point favorite at LSU Saturday morning in Baton Rouge. This is Main Street Media Television. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East and for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the Old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Barner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email Eric at rockcastlewealth.com. 
So, honk if you have been fired in the last two, three weeks. I, I have never seen as many coaches fired this early. Watson, this is a trend that is very disturbing. Let's talk about it a little bit, and then we'll show – well, let's go ahead and show the graphic. Okay, Nebraska booted Scott Frost before the first national anthem was ever played. Georgia Tech, in what felt like a, a mercy kill, got rid of Jeff Collins. Tech was awful. This third one totally shocked me that Wisconsin went ahead – and got rid of Paul Christ. Colorado, you knew this was coming. Carl Durrell was a dud as Vandy's offensive coordinator. He was a dud as Colorado's football coach. Why he ever got hired is beyond me. And we know what's going on at Arizona State. Herm Edwards got the boot a couple of weeks ago. So, Watson, talk to me a little bit about what you think this trend is doing in the coaching community. Uh, I don't I don't know that it's uh, affecting coaches. I don't think they can change anything that they do other than to go when you take a job, George, I think you go in knowing you may not have the time you used to get to prove yourself and to get your program going. And that might make somebody take more chances in recruiting, jump in the transfer portal quicker and more more often. Uh run and take a junior college guy here there to say, I probably got three years. I don't got five anymore. And then when you even get to the third year, you don't make it through the year. Um, it's tough, but they're getting paid so much more than I was when I was in my heyday. Uh, they're being taken care of. They're paying these guys what they owe them. And, um, they're set for the rest of their lives and they get a chance to regroup if they were young enough. When my one time to get fired, I was 40 years old. I had to regroup and start all over again. There's a lot of these guys that are going to do the same thing. And there's some good football coaches that have been fired. I mean, look at the first one, Scott Frost did very well at central Florida. Now that one's a mystery to me. Was And then just can't figure it out. I think both of us agreed that was the guy to go hire at Nebraska. And, oh, yeah. And so he's going to show back up again. Jeff Collins had done a very good job at Temple, very tough place to win. And uh, he'll show up again on a smaller level. Paul Christ, I'll promise you, will show up again. He had a nice record at Wisconsin, George. He's the one that's the surprise of the whole thing. Carl Durrell, now, he's had opportunities. I'm not sure – that he'll show back up. And you know Herm Edwards much better than me. I think he goes I back into TV. I don't think he coaches again. I think that'll be enough for Herm, and, and he'll be they'll be jumping to get him back in television somewhere along the way. And if that happens, I'll be jumping to get him on to do the <laughs> weekly thing he used to do with us where he was terrific. Yeah, I bet he was. So, Watson, what it – it, it feels like is the more money the coaches make, the less job security they have. And I don't know, you know, when Spurrier was the first one to get to a million bucks a year, did anybody see this coming? No, heavens no. I, no way. Um, 
I agree with you 100%, George. I think you hit the nail on the head. I kind of said it when I saw all this money starting to pop up and giving these coaches these big salaries. I said, they're going to say, we're giving you this big salary. We expect you to win quicker. What does giving them more money in their salary have any to make it any quicker to where you can win within that program? Um, the negative for me is you, you to me, firing them this quick and in the middle of a season and, and, and quick in their time there. What's the oldest one there as far as time? Wisconsin? Yeah. By far, right? Yes. And then uh, I, I just think you're going to put the pressure on these coaches to do it quicker. And when you do it quicker, sometimes it's not real stable when you do it too quick. And you could get your program in trouble or it's very up and down. You go to win in two years, but then all of a sudden, three and four, you may go backwards again or something. So I, I just worry a little bit about stability when you're letting them go this quick. It's proven already Nebraska won. Yeah. Yeah, Indiana's not worth a flip. So I'm don't don't let's don't jump too much. Georgia Tech won. Uh, we'll see what happens at Wisconsin and Colorado. Arizona State has not yet. Louisville, to me, appears to be the next one that in is Auburn. I still think Auburn's yeah. close. And, and I would have said until Friday night, Boise, Boise down at the half, lifeless offense, all of a sudden said, screw it. We're going to run the football and cram it down San Diego State's throat. And they appeared to find something. They were really good in the second half. Now, San Diego State's not nearly what they have been. Mm -hmm. But I would think Auburn uh, – let me say this, though, Watson. Auburn showed me something Saturday night. I didn't think they had in them. No, they played hard now. I, I felt for Brian after that game was over. Although he made a stupid – yeah. He made a stupid coaching decision yeah, to call him field position. And that and that and that those kind of things are gonna kill him. Yeah. They're gonna kill him in the long run. But my gosh, give his team credit. They didn't listen to all the junk and they weren't patting, putting their heads down, rat poison as Nick calls it. Uh they they came to play. And honestly, they deserved to win the dead yeah, game. They did. They, they outplayed LSU, I thought, in the game. Deserved to win. LSU hung in there, though. Brian's got them not just throwing up the flag. They hang in there, and they're finding a way to win in second halves. And, and, um, but he's, he's, I'm afraid he's going to get it this good. He goes to Georgia, and I saw their 20. Do you ever think you'd see the day that Auburn is a 29-point dog to Georgia? I mean – George, that game has been a toss-up for 25 years. I mean, and I never and thought I'd see that day. To play Georgia, and Georgia is going to be mad if they can if they can come back. Georgia will come back in this game and dominate them pretty good, and that might be just enough to get Brian. So, here's something I learned Saturday. I, I asked this question. Y'all got sick of hearing it. What does Vegas know that we don't? about Ole Miss minus seven. Well, I went ahead and took Kentucky in uh, in the, the stuff we did on Friday. I absolutely didn't think 
Kentucky would get beat by a touchdown. You had a, you had a good pick. Yeah, if Kentucky, I thought, if Kentucky, Kentucky plays the, the way Kentucky plays, George, normally. <clears throat> excuse me. If Kentucky plays the way they normally play, they win the game. They did uncharacteristic things in the fourth quarter that the Kentucky teams have not done in the last couple of years. And the, the, the they throw the touchdown pass. They got the game won. But the quarterback – Snaps the ball too quick, and it showed it. They weren't set yet. He had plenty of time. Yeah. Had timeouts. They had everything in their favor. And throw the touchdown pass on a great play, by the way. That kid made a great catch on that ball. And that number two Brown is fast as lightning now. That kid yeah. can Hold fly. on. Is this the kid from Nashville? Yep, he went to Pearl Cone. He That's can the- fly, guys. SEC freshman of the week. Yeah. I mean, he was the best player on that field Saturday. The best player on the field. Kentucky should have won the game. They played it the way they play it. They got to the fourth quarter. They started slowly taking over the game. And they blew it three times inside the 20-yard line, George. I mean, that they just don't do. That's not what Kentucky's been doing. Don't just throw Kentucky to the wolves yet. They're, they're, that's a good football team because they did to Ole Miss what they've done to everybody, what they did to Florida. And I still think they're a very good football team. They're not going to get scored on a ton, and uh, they're going to be around. And Levis will play better than he played in a Saturday. That's the worst game I've seen him play. And he still made some nice plays in the game. But he did not play up to his standard Saturday. Okay. He has been rising like a – like a spaceship up the NFL draft boards. Do you think this hurt him? If he comes back and keeps rising, no. But he's going to have to respond from it because, yes, if you stop today, his draft stock went down in that game. There were just some things that he did. And the play that he fumbled at the end, he held the ball too long. You got to, you got to throw it away. He hops, he hops, he hops. There's evidently nothing there. Just It's first down and go. Um, they've got the game tied to go to overtime if they want. Anytime they won't kick field goal, right? It's 22 oh, to 9. Yeah. Yeah. They've got they've got the field goal. So don't take any chances. Complete go for it three times in a row and see if you can get it in the end zone. But he held it too long and a guy came clean. And I just sometimes these chip blocks that these we all do as coaches. The chip block by the tight end, the tackle thought he was going to chip him more than he did. The guy splits him. He's a good pass rusher, and he hits Levis as he's letting the ball go. But he held the ball too long on that play. Tennessee opens a four-point favorite at LSU. It's gone what? up then. Yeah. It's, it was 2.5 yesterday. It's gone to four today, huh? Gone to four. So, So let me ask this question. I believe LSU has the athletes to go toe to toe with Tennessee. What do you think? Yeah, they got the athletes. Uh, I don't know if they can keep up with them scoring. LSU does not score a ton of points, and it seems like when they get their points, they're not they're not very clean. The quarterback scrambles around and makes a play. They just don't take nice drives down the field. I, I pick Tennessee. Let me ask you a question, you both of you. How come Tennessee is a four-point favorite going to LSU and Kentucky was a seven-point dog going to Ole Miss? Tell me what the difference is. And they were, both in the, they were both in the top ten. Vegas right? loves Tennessee 
right now, and, and I think for good reason. I mean, they didn't cover against Florida. I thought 10 was too much. I think both all of us did, but I, they, with that offense, it's just there's not many defenses that can keep up. Watson, to me, it's, it is about the offense. It's about the fact that Kentucky is much more of a grinded-out kind of deal uh, that that is not the flash and dash that Tennessee is. And I, you know, I think Vegas is bought into that. I guess so. But it's weird to me that Kentucky was eighth last week playing a 14th ranked team. And can, and now Tennessee is what seventh this week. Mm-hmm. Now if LSU isn't ranked 14th. What are, are they even ranked? Are they in the top? They're, they're 25th. 25th. That's probably what it is. That's a bigger, bigger difference in in the teams. But it's a lot harder to go to LSU and win oh, than it yeah. is to go to Oxford and win. I'm telling you, I've been to both places it's many, not, many times. I think the four points is the fact that it's not a night game. I, I think that's a light might be a toss-up. <laughs> I'm not even kidding about that. I mean, because you played LSU at night, that that's two, three points, I think. For well, and, and also LSU was not pretty Saturday at Auburn. No. So right. we got to take that in effect too. And Ole Miss hadn't played anybody yet. So there was the, nobody knew. Nobody knew about them. And LSU did not look great at Auburn to me at all. No. And honestly, well, should have lost. They're the lucky game. to have won. Yeah, you're lucky. I, I agree. I thought Auburn outplayed them. How much has Tennessee really been challenged this year? I, I asked myself that the pit we we saw what pit really is against Georgia Tech, and and Florida yeah Florida is probably the best team they've played so far. But and even LSU I don't think that's a real challenge. I think their uh, first challenge comes in a week. I, I I think they beat I think they beat LSU and their first challenge comes and wouldn't you love to have a ticket to that? Ooh. LSU comes to Nayland Stadium next week and that's their first true challenge, Billy, to me to see really where this team is. Because I'm still concerned about their defense myself. We'll see. Okay, last thing. We talked about it earlier a little bit. Bryce Young is listed as day-to-day. Would you start the other guy and basically go on the belief that, hey, we're good enough to beat A&M without him. They're not going to score a ton. Let's start the other guy. If we need Bryce Young, we'll bring him in but only if we really need him. I always thought if your quarterback is hurt and he's a, you're, he's a really good player, put him in second. Don't put him in first because if you put him in first and he gets hurt again, not only do you lose him for the next game, but you've got your team has lost their confidence. You start the other guy and he don't get it done and then you pop Bryce in if he's good enough, then the confidence level grows. So I always thought, start the backup if your starter is questionable. And then use him if you have to. And if you don't, you got away with it, and he's got another week to get well. So I'll bet he does not start Saturday. Okay. I agree. I don't I don't see why. I mean, if it was any other team, maybe, maybe you do. But A&M looks awful right now. And they're not going to yeah. score many points. You're not going to have to score a ton of points to beat A&M. And, and I think Coach Saban knows that. After the break, Watson will have the plaster bet of the day. And let me tell you up front, a strong opinion tonight. Strong opinion. Strong opinion? Strong opinion. 
I think I know okay. where he's going. Strong opinion. I can already tell with what's on his face where he's going. So. <laughs> that smile comes up. George does not hide certain things very well. It's not what you think. It's not? No, it's not. Even though there are two bets tonight. Oh, one of them's on the football game, right? Oh, yeah. That's okay. where the strong opinion is. Okay. Stay tuned. This is Main Street Media Television. Serving Williamson and surrounding counties, Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee offers comprehensive orthopedic care with 16 subspecialized physicians. Our practice provides high-tech care with a hometown touch. We offer physician clinics, physical and occupational therapy, advanced imaging, and surgical services, including interventional procedures. Call us at 615-791-2630. We're Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee. High-tech care with a hometown touch. The high school football season is here, and nobody handles Friday nights better than Main Street Media. Here's Zach Womble with details. That's the name of the game here at Main Street Media and Main Street Preps. Is, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now, and I think you hit on it. We've got an army of reporters across all of Middle Tennessee. I think there's about 130 schools uh, in the Middle Tennessee area, and we cover we try to cover all of them. We cover about 11, 12 counties at this point. And uh, yeah, those those Friday night shows, it's you know we're gonna we're gonna show we're gonna show that off. We're gonna showcase the talent that we have on the field with with reporters across several mid state games on the weekly basis. So you know whether you're in Williamson County, whether you're in Giles County or Murray County or Montgomery or Robertson or anywhere in between, we're gonna have you covered from six to eleven. Friday Night Live is presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office where fans don't let fans drive drunk. At Sumner Funeral and Cremation, our mission is to serve families as our own, celebrate the life of their loved one, and help begin the healing process. My whole family, including my wife and my mom and siblings, were very happy with the treatment that we received. I would highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation. We offer funeral, burial, cremations, and pre-planning services. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional, affordable, dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Welcome to the Omni Nashville Hotel. Urban elegance with a vintage touch. Our 800-room hotel opened up in the fall of 2013 with 746 guest rooms and 54 suites. Hey everyone, I'm John English. This is Keith Wallace, and we would like to welcome you to John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We specialize in graded and ungraded sports and non-sports cards, vintage wax boxes, and unopened cases. We have a large selection of PSA graded cards. We also specialize in old sports collectibles. 
baseball, football, basketball, golf, and tennis. You can find it all at John English Antique Sports and Cards. We are happy to be associated with Nashville's greatest sports antique, George Plaster. This is attorney Bart Durham, and this is me. I'm Aaliyah. Keeping in good physical condition is really important to me. But when I had a wreck with a tractor-trailer truck that hurt my legs so bad, I couldn't work for almost a year, I knew I needed a lawyer that understood tractor-trailer cases. So I called Bart. Bart gets millions of dollars for his clients every year. At Bart Durham Injury Law, we've handled hundreds of tractor-trailer cases. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. It's about that time for Plaster's Bet of the Day, powered by Bart Durham Injury Law. They've aggressively protected the rights of a broad range of victims of car accidents and personal injury in both Tennessee and Kentucky. If you, too, have seen your life interrupted by an injury on a highway, in a hospital, or at your workplace, let their attorneys do the work fighting for the full financial compensation that you need. Learn more about Bart Durham Injury Law by logging on to BartDurham.com. Com. Let's check out the results from last weekend. George, another good weekend of betting for Mr. Plaster. He won Kentucky, Wake Forest, and the Dallas Cowboys. The Vikings is marked out as black. I'm not sure what uh, what Michael... Uh, Mike, it's a tie. Oh, I forgot that was a tie. Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, so that that's no win but no loss either for George. So you escaped that, uh, and you missed Wisconsin. So only only one true loss over the weekend. Wisconsin, what dud. <laughs> so Watson, I'm on a little bit of a mini roll here. Yeah, you are. Ain't no doubt. It's more than a mini roll. You were way down, boy. So you coming back? We're coming back. Yeah, we, we're, we're working add, our way back to 500. We're going to add two tonight. The first one's obvious. Proud of my Braves. They're going to get it done tonight and put the Mets out of their misery. Uh, th this young guy, Elder, has really helped them. Th there'll be a lot of different things that people point to when this team wins the division, but Bryce Elder's contributions in spot starts recently cannot be overestimated. It's been huge, especially when Spencer Strider went out on the on the DL. Bryce Elder, he'll get it done tonight. Braves will win in Miami. Now, Watson, here is where I've got a strong opinion. I'm going San Fran tonight at home, minus the one and a half against the Rams. And here's the reason why. Yes, the Rams did win the NFC title game at home against San Fran. They did, but in about the three or four previous matchups, San Fran had bullied the Rams, had basically just said, we will line up and cram it down your throat. And you know what? That's exactly what they're going to do tonight. And the, the only way they don't win and cover 
is if Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a liability, if he is even close to a positive for the 49ers, they will win this game by a touchdown. Strong opinion. 100% agree. I would pick San Francisco. That's scary, I think Jimmy's going to play well. They're, the Rams aren't as good now. O- Odell Beckham Jr. had yeah. a lot to do with their late run now. He made a lot of plays late in the season. Why in the world they didn't re-sign him, I don't understand. But he's not there, and they're not as good right now up front offensive line-wise. They're not, they're not getting the movement I've seen them get last year. I'm picking – I'm with you. I think you got a good pick. That's Scary, probably not a good thing. but that's Probably not a good sign. <laughs> probably not a good sign, but it's the way I feel. Billy, strong opinion. And if y'all both win tonight, that'll be, that'll be a we'll record. We'll be getting there. We'll be getting there. We'll be cooking with gas. Oh, yeah. We were, we were Wisconsin being halfway decent away from cooking with gas this weekend. Very disappointed in Wisconsin. We need it undefeated. You've all you've been close to an undefeated weekend these past couple I know, weekends. I know. Watson, tomorrow, Tony Basilio at 420 to preview a huge SEC showdown at Tiger Stadium mm. during the day. Man, those people are gonna have to get up early. They'll be hungover. They'll have, they'll have but to it get, won't matter. They'll have to get some strong coffee. Oh yeah. <laughs> And then, you know what I think we're going to do, Watson? What? During the five, I think we need to go to Kansas. Okay. We need to find find out what's going on there. Let's hope it don't run out this weekend. TCU is pretty good. Oh, they are pretty good. And the quarterback, and I can't think of his name now. Um, I, I personally thought Kansas would beat Iowa State more than they did. Yeah. What's the kid's name at TCU, the quarterback? Max Duggan. Duggan. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's I like very Duggan. good. Yeah. And they've got a they've got a pretty good OC, Garrett Riley, the younger brother of Lincoln Riley at OU. Really? He, he just beat his older brother. Yep. I thought oh, that was wow. pretty cool. Old Lincoln may have shared some secrets. Yeah, he might have shared too many. Old, yeah. old Lincoln may have knew when to get out of town. So now <laughs> wait a minute. Let me make sure I got this right. Lincoln Riley's brother is the OC where? TCU. Okay. So Lincoln may have shared a couple of, hey, here's how you beat it. I don't think that had anything to do with it. That's <laughs> I don't think I've seen an Oklahoma team play like that. That was a butt whipping. They weren't ready to play. They had busted coverages all over the field. Oh, it was I mean, embarrassing. I don't know that I've seen an Oklahoma team play that bad, George, in the history of watching Oklahoma. They gave up 41 in the first half. First half. And I mean uncontested 41. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how much patience Norman gives old Brent Venables down there. Well, and they got to go. They got the they got the big one this week. Yeah. Red River rivalry is this week. If they lay an egg again now, look out. Look out. One and done. Ooh. (laughs) He might be the first. Wow. God, can you imagine? Uh-uh. He's, mi- he's missing Clemson. Oh, They're not missing I think him. He's already made that yeah. call back. Yeah. Okay, Watson, go 49ers. Go 49ers. I'm pulling with you tonight. See you tomorrow. And go Braves. I'm pulling with you on that one, too. 
Atta baby. Uh, Billy, late word out of Chicago, came over the wire just a couple of minutes ago. Tony LaRusa steps down. Saw that. Which, which was expected with yeah. the health issues. Uh, yeah. I, I just hope for him good health. Legend. Legend. Yeah. He's done a lot in his career. He's a Hall of Fame manager. Yep. George, good luck tonight. Uh, thank you, Billy. <laughs> oh, whatever. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> oh, whatever. Is that what we're supposed to say? Everybody, good luck. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> As Willie used to say, gentlemen, good luck. Oh, and I would, whatever. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Whatever. This is Main Street Media Television.